This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Anderson Quantity Surveying. Based in Aberdeen but working throughout Scotland and beyond with almost 20 years experience in the construction industry, AQS specialise in all aspects of cost budgeting and control on construction projects. Whether you're embarking on a domestic or commercial refurbishment, extension or new build, AQS can provide you with budget cost plans, tender documentation, contractor comparison reports and cost management tools for use throughout the construction phase of your project. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk It's Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 18 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and joining me this week, as always, it's Gavin Baxter and Graham Steele. How's it going, guys? Fine, thanks. Yeah, good, thank you. Relieved to have you back. Relieved to, uh, well, be relieved of hosting duties because it's uh, it's harder than it looks. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, first of all, I need to start by congratulating both Gav and Graham on a sterling job last week holding the fort while I grappled with a severe bout of tonsillitis, a job well done lads a slightly quieter episode this week on account of the international break which means we've no game to review but we'll have a slightly deeper preview of our second trip to dundee this season ahead of this weekend's upcoming fixture at tanadice and with no women's action to review we'll take our regular look at the young team and round up our loanies and their performances in the last week and after the break we're delighted to continue our series of interviews with ex-dons with an exclusive interview with a man who was only at Pataudry for one season, racking up a total of 33 appearances and five goals, but who remains to this day a fondly remembered player. It's the one and the only Eugene, who's your fucking daddy. So let's look ahead to Dundee United this weekend. After one of the more entertaining international breaks for a while, where Scotland secured their playoff spot in World Cup qualifying, and where Steven Gerrard decided there was only room in the cinch for one Stevie G, skulking out the back door to Aston Villa without so much as a backward glance at Mordor and the ensuing meltdown of the Rangers support including the beating up of cardboard cutouts, death threats to Dugs and mock funerals. A strange bunch indeed. It's back to league action this coming Saturday as the Dons travel to Tanadice with hopes of kicking back into the form that saw us take seven points from nine against the aforementioned Rangers, Hearts and Hibs and less of the form that saw us take zero points from six against Dundee and Motherwell. Gents, what are we thinking? Hoping for a lot better than Dens Park, that's for sure. That's not going to be difficult, is it? Let's let's be honest. Um, well, I mean, those are famous last words right there. <laughs> In all seriousness, I mean, I, I um, obviously I wasn't at the game against Motherwell last week because I was I wasn't well, but I did watch it at home, and I've had I've had the, the joys of being able to watch a lot of our games back again this season during the course of this week so I've had literally nothing else to do other than lie in bed and I thought that your guys assessment of the game against Motherwell was fair enough and um, the only thing I think that maybe we didn't touch on enough I think people were obviously you know focusing in on the the, the downside losing the two goals in the second half and the fact we never really looked like getting back into it after that but looking back on it again now I think the first half performance was actually pretty good and you probably couldn't have 
begrudged us going in at halftime in that game two or three goals to the good, at which point it's a completely different game again. And I wonder if a lot of the focus in the last week and a bit now of, of training at Cormac Park has been on just trying to continue to do the things we were doing right in that first half. The goals will come again and focusing on trying to cut out the individual errors because it's, it's individual errors again that seem to have cost us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think that's perfectly accurate. But yeah, as we've said time and time again, these errors or defensive frailties, they keep coming up with them. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Alarming regularity. With an alarming rate of regularity, exactly. I like it, Graham. That's some top quality podcast bingo right there. <laughs> yeah. So it's also two words as well, but never mind. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I mean, Graham and I said last week that at halftime we were so happy with the performance and you could only see one winner. So to then, I guess it's the concern is that we don't really seem to be capable of putting in a 90-minute performance. There's always something around the corner where we find ourselves giving ourselves a mountain to climb when you're looking at and thinking we're in good shape and then... 1-0, 2-0, games away from us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking at Dundee United, I mean, obviously, the first day of the season, it, it, well, let's jump back a step, and it's fair to say that they've had a much improved season from what I was expecting to have after what we saw from them at Patojo on the opening day of the season. I don't know if Woeful's maybe a little bit strong, but they, they did look pretty poor. I thought we made them look pretty average, and by contrast, we actually looked quite good. Now, unfortunately, as it turned out, they were having a bad day at the office, and we were having a, a rare good day at the office. So, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit different this time around. But you're right, I didn't actually imagine they'd have the points haul that they, they currently do have, you know, just based on that, that opening game. So I think their form's dropped off a little bit, but actually overall, it's probably not a bad effort from them. Yeah, and with tongue firmly in cheek, we were quite um, dismissive of, of Tan Courts on that day. Um, but I think you have to say that he's turned it round in quite a spectacular way, both in terms of ways he sets the team up to get results and, you know, also with his kind of conduct uh, away from football, it's been pretty admirable. So yeah, fair play to them. My tongue wasn't in cheek at the time. But yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, but it is an interesting one as well. United, they've, they've had a lot of plaudits this season for the way they've gone about their business. Like we said earlier on, they've, they've gone on a run of form in the opening <clears throat> stage of the season. I don't think anyone foresaw after that opening game, but they do go into this match against us on Saturday with exactly the same record as we have over the last five games, that being two wins, a draw, and two defeats and in fact they're they come into this game three games without a victory and off the back of a, a 5-2 scudding at the hands of Hearts at Tynecastle before the international break so it'll be interesting to see what sort of Dundee United actually we we see at Tannadice that's a it's not a great run of form that's that you know it's a draw against Livingston a home defeat to St Johnson and then like I say that 5-2 defeat at Tynecastle so these are not sparkling results and you kind of do wonder whether or not maybe the the early season shine is starting to come off of uh, of Dundee United potentially. Yeah, I mean let's let's hope so. I mean, from a personal point of view, I find it difficult to judge them having only seen them on the opening day, and clearly that was that was a blip based on what they've done uh, following that. But you're right that that form's not encouraging for them, and maybe gives us a little bit of a chance. Um, you know, maybe we should be going into that with a little bit more more confidence. Uh, our, our form has been. A little bit better, and I think you know it's always going to be a difficult game. And from a personal point of view, if we get the Aberdeen that we got, say like that first half at Motherwell, for example, if they could break that out over ninety minutes, I'd be pretty confident they would be picking up the three points. But I just feel like game to game, half to half, you don't really know what you're going to get. 
from Aberdeen, uh, there's been odd times this season when we're good. I would say we're quite good. But when we're bad, we're really quite bad. And it's just difficult to figure out what we're going to get. Um, maybe the fact that we've had a bit of time with the players international break to work on a few bits and pieces, maybe that's going to you know steady the ship a little bit at the back. And more importantly, perhaps you would like to think that this time will allow for both Calvin Ramsey and Jack McKenzie to come back into consideration for selection. Just had a little look at some of United's games in more detail and going down the data path, um, the St. Johnston game, you know, they played St. Johnston, you know, off the park by all accounts, 63% possession, 19 shots at goal. One of those games that Xander Clark had a performance that he's been putting in a lot of recently. So it's not as though these defeats have been, you know, Hearts wasn't great, obviously, but, you know, the run of form maybe doesn't reflect the way they've been playing in the same way that perhaps does with us. Well, that's absolutely fair enough. And I think, you know, if you look at the statistics as well, I think what we need, what we're kind of going to expect to get, I think at the weekend is going to be a very tight cagey affair. I think Um, in 13 games this season, United have scored 13 goals and they've conceded 13. Um, So they don't score a lot. Now that 13 they've conceded is skewed by that five they conceded uh, against Hearts. You take that out of the equation and that's them only conceding eight goals this season, which would have them pretty much, I think, there or thereabouts as being the, the top defence in the top flight. So I'm not expecting that it's going to be a particularly you know goal-laden affair on Saturday. Mother, uh, United, sorry, their top goal scorer is Ryan Edwards, who's their centre-back. He's got three goals this season. So that says everything about, I think, what we can expect from, from Dundee United this week. I think they're going to be fairly compact at the back, fairly tight. They have been playing, from what I can see, a kind of 4-5-1-4-3-3 type hybrid system as the season goes, being very compact when they're out of, out of possession try to spring with some pace on the counter. I can't imagine they're going to give us much in the way of... Oh, I, I imagine what they're going to do is probably do what a lot of teams have done to us this season, which is probably sit in, allow us to have plenty of ball and hope to hit us on the counter and hope for that mistake. It's a strategy that makes perfect sense, though, doesn't it? With, with the odd exception, generally when we've had a lot of the ball, it has been just passing around at the back and actually on more than one occasion... The, the opposition letting us play ourselves into trouble. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if they came out and went, you know, gung-ho as the home team. And why why should they? I think they're probably right. We're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot quite often. So sit back, wait till we do it. And if we don't do it, then maybe they do start to come into the game a little bit more and open up. And that might suit us in terms of... It's been difficult for Aberdeen generally to break teams down. So someone actually having to come out um, to try and you know open us up might be beneficial, but the flip side is if you get attacked more often, our defence doesn't really stand up to that. So I'm not too sure which way this is going to go. I guess the flip side to that is always going to be though United is the home team in a in a fixture like this. You know, it's a, <clears throat> a derby of sorts. I don't know if their support will kind of allow United just to sit in against us, given that we're perceived to be in you know not the best run of form at the moment, etc. I think with other teams, I think with, you know, a Livingston or a St Mirren or even a Dundee to that extent, I think their support would understand and accept sitting in against Aberdeen. I'm not sure the United fans would necessarily go for that. So it could be interesting to see if that dynamic kind of comes out during the game because it's always a good atmosphere at Tannadice for an Aberdeen United game. Both teams are always keen to, to, to get one over each other. Like I say, I'm just not sure if the United fans would really allow them just to sit in and hope to counter. I was going to say, I, I hope that is the case that United come at us because I think 
the season so far has shown that yeah teams that sit in we struggle with teams that are more expansive gives us space to work with as well so yeah I think I think that that'll be the case that United will come out and try and take the game to us for that perceived weakness in our well perceived is probably the wrong word because it's pretty accurate that uh, that weakness within our defensive play and yeah hopefully that allows for us to then implement our game plan and get the likes of hedges and Marley Watkins on the ball, yeah, cause cause problems for their defense, which looked pretty ropey uh, that first game of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Predictions then for Saturday. We need to get the first goal to win. I'm gonna say two two. Desmond. I'm gonna say uh, two three. I like it. It's good. I take it that's two three to us. Yes, that's why I went for the home team first. Just what's just what's clarify. And I I think you know. I'm predicting a, a boozy away support, boisterous, led by the ABZFP crew. Oh yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. Um, I'm gonna go for a shit house, one nil win for Aberdeen somehow. I don't know how we're gonna keep a clean sheet, but we're gonna do it. As soon as you said shit house, one nil win, I thought you were gonna say for Dundee United. No, screw it. Let's go for it. Let's be optimistic. So I, I, that's what I'm gonna go for. I, I was just thinking fixtures come really quick now between now and then. December and into the winter break maybe just worth a quick chat about where we think the squad is and what we maybe think targets are going to be for Stephen Glass and the coaching staff to address in the January transfer window now that we've had 13 games in the league one game in the league cup and then what six games in the Europa League to now assess the squad as it stands where are you guys thinking we need to be looking at strengthening what are you expecting or hoping that we do come come January based on the current situation as we are right now? Well, the issue there is that, you know, we need to clearly move guys out in order to bring people in. First of all, you know, we're not Man City or we're not dealing in, you know, Newcastle, Saudi blood money or, you know, we don't just make money out of nowhere like Rangers. So, you know, they don't make money out of nowhere. They just lose money, well, invent money out of nowhere, whatever you, whatever you want to say. Um, I think Graham and I talked about this. The guys that are, were on the bench that didn't come on against Motherwell, I think their time is effectively done here. So ideal world, I'd be moving the likes of Jet, Jenks, Gurr out, um, give us some more options up front uh, in our attacking areas, to be quite honest, because I think, I think we've got some talent there, but I still think we're lacking creativity. And if Ryan Hedges isn't at it, then you know we can, we can really struggle in open play especially. Yeah, creativity is exactly what I was going to say. That period where Hedges was, Hedges was out was pretty grim to watch. Um, as soon as he comes back, feels like there's a difference now. He's only one man, so you can't expect too much from him. But I just feel like he makes such a big difference. I just don't think we've got that on the bench. You know, we were chatting last week, we were kind of with opinion. McGinn doesn't offer anything. Hayes may or may not. McLennan, probably jury's out in his ability, and he's always injured. Kennedy, don't really want to see him in red again. Jet doesn't really offer much. Um, Samuels, we were maybe a little bit confused as to why he maybe didn't get a run out against Motherwell. He's the one that I might like to see a bit more of, but um, I think creativity is absolutely what we need. I think uh, we have plenty of defenders. Everyone's got an opinion as to how you know good, bad or indifferent they are based on the results. I think Watkins and Ramirez... That's a pretty handy partnership, in my opinion. So I think we're okay there. I think we're overloaded with midfielders, but I just see creativity as the the big. That's the bit we're missing from arguably the starting eleven, and never mind the bench. But again, that's always pretty difficult to 
to find and replace, especially in the sort of market we're operating in and in January when, you know, sometimes it's a bit, bit of a risk as to who you take in. So creativity is what I think we're absolutely crying out for. But whether we can do anything about it, I don't know. And as Gavin said, I imagine that to get people in, there's quite a few guys we need to get rid of. I'm not so sure how easy that's going to be, given that some of the guys we'd like to move on um, have still got what, at least half a season, if not longer, left on their deals. I guess what's going to dictate a lot of what we do in January is where we are defensively in terms of injuries and whether Ramsey McKenzie are back looking fit. There's a huge question mark still about whether Ronald, Ronnie Hernandez comes back to Aberdeen once his loan at Atlanta finishes or whether he's you know, offloaded somewhere else. Jet's an interesting one, Gav, you, you picked up on it. I mean, <clears throat> I am getting the distinct impression now from the manager he doesn't really fancy him any longer, but he's on a two-year deal. It's going to be very difficult to shift him off the books, I would imagine, unless he's going out on loan somewhere, but I can't imagine somebody's going to be picking up a huge chunk of his salary to, to do that. Midfield's the area that you know you guys touched on it. We're overloaded in there already. I wonder if a lot's going to depend on what happens with Lewis Ferguson. Again, in the January window, certainly I'm looking at Matty Longstaff as far as that's concerned because that's a guy who's come in. I think you guys touched on it last week. You'd expect Longstaff with his, in inverted commas, pedigree that he has coming from the English Premier League, having played in the first team for Newcastle United, that he should be <laughs> piss-walking his way through the SPFL effectively. And we've not really seen much of that from him. He's been sent up here to get game time. I can't imagine Newcastle are going to be overly happy if he's just sitting on the bench. He's not going to be overly happy having come up here. Having turned down moves in the championship, I think we were led to believe. If Lewis Ferguson doesn't get a move in January, I wonder if we might see Longstaff sent back to Newcastle alongside Jenks being sent back to Brighton potentially. Um, because I think we'd be more than comfortable with the complement midfields we would have at that point in the likes of... Ferguson, Brown, McGeek, Ojo, Campbell. I'm probably still missing somebody, but... Well, I mean, you've still got options like Ross McCrory, if need be. Yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. There's, you know, there's, so yeah, there's, there's plenty of bodies in there. Uh, for me, I think you guys are right. I think it's going to be creativity. There's a huge... I mean, what do you think Ryan Hedges, again, this week has come out, or I think Stephen Glass came out during the week saying that they're still not giving up on Hedges staying. The ball's still very much in Hedges' court. It's for him to make a decision about what he wants to do. I think we've, for me, we've seen this time and time and time again. I'd be amazed if Ryan Hedges is still here come next, the start of next season. And that does bring an interesting question in and of itself, which is if a team comes in for Hedges in January, did the club decide to bite the bullet and take a token couple of hundred grand? Or do they decide actually he's worth more to us in the team and stick out to the summer? My view would be that if, if what happens is that you know, no pre-contracts are signed with rival teams. Yeah. Then the benefit for us is the Hedges stays until the end of the season. I think he's a, his presence in the team is far more important than, as you say, the token amount of money that will probably just cover this contract. Um. So yeah, I'd absolutely be keeping him. As soon as we hear the, the language, I'm keeping my options open. I think we all tend to understand in Scottish football, that means he's leaving. And that's still my perspective, but yeah, I would keep him until the end of the season. We have seen it before, though. Scott Severin, I remember, was very much in that camp for a while, and he signed a contract extension with us. You know, it does happen. Who knows? But I'd be surprised at this rate. I also think, to be honest, it's slightly irrelevant if he stays or not. We still need to be recruiting that type of player, in my opinion. If we ended up with, 
you know, two Ryan Hedges because we can get someone of that kind of calibre who can either we can accommodate him in the starting eleven, or you can rotate him, or you've got someone just good to come off the bench. So, to me, whether he stays or not doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying to recruit someone like him. And if that does mean he hangs around, brilliant. And we've got you know a really good understudy or guys that can genuinely compete for that role, excellent. But if we if we hang around and Willie Wunty, uh, uh, you know, and then he decides. Nah, this isn't for me, and he gets a better offer, and he's been stringing the club along or whatever, and, and then we're sort of left like, all right, okay, we put all our eggs in that basket, and it hasn't worked out too well for us, that we would really struggle. If, for example, he went in January, and we don't get anyone like him in, that would be a really tough second half of the season, in my opinion. Just talking about the defence, even if, let's just say, Ramsey, McKenzie are back fit, let's just say Gallagher is, is, is back fit as well, and let's just even devil's advocate and say that Mikey Devlin is fit and good to go for the, the second half of the season. Would you, if, if you were in the manager's hot seat, would you be still considering potentially looking at a, another centre half based on what you've seen so far from Galkin and Bates in particular, I think are the two I would be looking at. I was going to say as well, to my understanding, I'm not quite sure where he is, but Andrew Considine's time frame was around about January to be back. At least train, at least training or so. Like he okay. wasn't. It wasn't a case of, you know, out for the rest of the season or anything like that. So I was kind of writing Constantine off for the season, to be honest. No, no, I'm, maybe I'm, that's me wrong. I'm sure Glass was talking that he was making really good progress. Um, so, you know, there's you've got, let's go for another cliche, like a new signing if he was to come back that soon. Personally, I would just like to see us with a settled back two, back three, rather than shuffling the pack again and again yeah. and again. Um, so we've got enough. We're not going to move any of them on I don't think so I think we just need to actually figure out a system and a personnel that will give us a base rather than as I say you know we've done this too many times this season I can't think of how many times we've played you know the same back line in back-to-back matches it can't be that many I'm pretty certain that the hearts to Motherwell game was the first time we had the same starting 11 this season in two games on the trot I think I, I'd need to go and check it, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. So that says that says everything. So I was going to add, you know, we're talking about we'd like players to come in and go. To an extent, it's maybe irrelevant what the manager wants, given that our new structure is we have the head of recruitment. It might be academic what Stephen Glass thinks of what he's got. We're kind of led to believe that you know uh, he, he doesn't call the shots in that department because that's the way the club is now structured. So that might be a little bit of a fly in the ointment in terms of January, because you you might be, you know, there might be a difference of opinion, the manager coming in saying, I need new guys, these guys aren't working, and someone else saying, well, they fit what we want, so you've just got to figure it out. Um, that might not be the case, but the way we're structured now, and going back to the Cormac interview in Sports Sound, where he said, you know, an, a percentage of candidates were ruled out immediately because they wanted control over that side of the club, and that's not the way we're going now. It's maybe a slightly different situation that... You know, the manager may or may not have players that he wants uh, and he might be stuck with them. I guess on that front, it maybe depends what we do actually in the next six weeks up to Christmas and in the new year. If we go in a bit of a run of form and we're actually really back in the mix for Europe, for example, which at the moment seems like a pipe dream. I think most of us would probably say right now that Europe through the league is, is extremely unlikely, but stranger things have happened. I do wonder if we got to the start of the January window and we were actually in with a shout of Europe if we were to maintain a good bit of form. 
whether you might see the board release some money to to try and make that push because that would be obviously this year's a hugely different proposition i think there is absolutely there's automatic qualification i think into the europa conference league group stages i think for one of the teams coming out of the league i'm pretty certain there's some decent opportunity there if you can be in the mix and i do wonder if that might see us actually decide to speculate a little bit if we think we've got a run at it or maybe even looking at the cup maybe that might be where we look at if we think well actually we've hit a bit of form we've found a system that's working the, the team's starting to gel we might have a right good go at the cup and that might give us an avenue into European football that has some real return on it from a financial perspective next season. And I wonder if that might dictate things as well. Whereas if we're still languishing seventh or eighth in the table and way off, it might be a case where they go, look, you just need to kind of get what you can get out of the squad you've got at the moment, send some of these boys off if you don't like them. But that's where you have to run with the end of the season. We kind of write it off a little bit and we go again in the summer. I don't know. I wonder if it might depend on that. I was going to just say before that, I'm pretty sure I read or heard something from Stephen Glass saying that he does have final say when it comes to transfers. Just after that, after that interview, which kind of, again, clouds or makes the, makes the waters murky in terms of actually what is going on in terms of our structure there. I would imagine what that means is probably that recruitment are sent off with, this is what we need. And they go off and they do a lot of work on it and they'll, they'll come back with a shortlist and it'll be for the manager to make a call about he might be presented with three options, for example, about who's affordable and who we can get. And it might be for the manager to make a call on, yeah, that's the guy. Maybe to avoid, a, I think we would all agree, the Ronald Hernandez situation with Derek McInnes, for example. I, I don't think McInnes was ever really on board with Hernandez. Therefore, it was nose out of joint straight away on that level. I would imagine it's much more like that sort of model where recruitment are sent off to go and look for a right back and they'll come back with a shortlist of three or four and then the manager and the coaching team will look at it and go, out of the three that are available that we think we can get, that's the one we'll go for. Go get it done. I would hope that is the situation because, yeah, the, every sympathy in the world for McInnes with the, uh, for the Hernandez situation because that, <laughs> that is fucking awful as a manager to basically just hand a player for no, apparent, for no apparent reason. Yeah, no, definitely. No, definitely. One area we've not talked about just here about the, the, the squad and where we are, goalkeeper. Now, for me, I would be looking for a new number two come January. There's going to be a lot of competition around, but uh, Xander Clark's contract is up at the end of the season. Like him. Like him a lot. So, Is that just because of his beard? He's got a good beard. Got a very strong beard. Strong, strong cocktail bar making beard. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if, it was my, if it was my football manager save, I'd be looking at a, I was going to say a backup goalkeeper, but no, a competitive goalkeeper for the number one place, not, not a backup. Okay. Personally, it wouldn't be a priority for me. I appreciate, you know, the, the few games he's had doesn't look like, um, you know, we're just but certainly not an upgrade on Joe Lewis, but I, I'm not so sure. And I, and I know Lewis hasn't had the best of seasons, but overall, I'm not sure that I would prioritise that I'd be definitely looking at the creative deficiencies in the team first and foremost um my rationale being that we look a bit better when we can sort of take the game to the opposition and that's the route i would be wanting to go down rather than basically being defensive and trying to I was going to say try to stop the goals obviously stopping goals is quite good i would i would i would rather have an offensive aberdeen so i would focus on the creative piece i don't think Everyone else, you know, Lewis, etc. I don't think they're terrible by any means. Uh, maybe with a bit of pressure taken off them, 
they sort of start to find the form that we we know he absolutely has. So creativity would be my priority. And then if I had time and or money left, I probably would want to maybe get an upgrade from a goalkeeper, but it wouldn't be top of my list. Yeah, I think the only reason I say it is because I think I would like to see Joe Lewis under some real competition for his for his jersey because I think that we've already seen it. You know, Glass dropped him for the Celtic game. I think Lewis would have probably played against Dundee if he'd been fit. He was ill, missed out completely on that one. I think if he was available, I think he would have played. And I don't think that's a good place for a goalkeeper to be in as your number one to know that, right, I might get dropped for a game, but I'm just going to get straight back in again. Or even if it's just, even if he hadn't been fit, just say after Dundee, to know that the, the guy who's coming in isn't really good enough to, to really step into that place. And sooner rather than later, you're going to get back into the team again. You know, Joe Lewis showed tremendous form for us when he had likes of Thomas Cherney as his backup goalkeeper. And Cherney was, I think, good enough probably to have played as our number one for a period of time. I certainly didn't. Yeah, I didn't panic when he had to have a couple of games uh, with Lewis being injured. And I don't think I'm alone in, in that when we saw him coming in for a few games. Right, that's absolutely fine. Because, yeah, he'd have been, well, he'd have been number one for most other clubs um, in the league at the time. So, yeah, that's probably a fair point. He was, he was absolutely good enough to come in and play, and maybe maybe he does just need that motivation. I guess it's always quite difficult if you're a goalkeeper, if you're an outfield player, the reality is there's probably a handful of guys that could do a job in your role. So you're always sort of looking over your shoulder, whereas the goalkeeper is pretty much you and just this other guy. And as soon as you kind of feel like you've got the better of him, it's maybe easier to just take your foot off the gas a little bit. And I'm not saying he's coasting and he's not trying, but if you know that it's really unlikely for a prolonged period of time that you're not going to play, maybe that does change your change your mentality. Certainly going to be an interesting one. I think the January window is going to be going to be interesting to see what we do. I was going to say there as well. So we're talking about you know possibly offloading bit part players or guys who are out of the picture, as you've alluded to the chat and the the rumor innuendo around Lewis Ferguson will begin. You know, yeah. probably even before January, but worth mentioning pretty much all season in the gossip columns, in the papers. Calvin Ramsey's been getting linked with teams in England all season. Possibilities there that he could leave. That's a very good point. I, I would imagine if Calvin Ramsey is to be moved on in January, we might see a bit of a Kenny McLean type scenario where he's purchased by somebody that's loaned back to us, certainly till the end of the season, possibly even for 18 months or something of that ilk, because as good a player as Calvin Ramsey is and with all the potential he's got in the world, I can't see him right now walking into any Premier League team in England's first 11. Loads of potential. I think he'll probably get there in time, but I think it's a step too far for him. So he might get that move, but might be loaned straight back again. If I were a gambling man, that's what I think will happen. Yeah. He'll leave, loaned back immediately, join the new club in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could see someone wanting to secure his services and then just get that extra half season of experience up here. So that's not an unlikely uh, scenario. And, you know, maybe that wouldn't be a bad scenario either. I think where we would really be suffering would be if it was unavailable because he'd left for the second half of the season. That that would put us in a bit of a position. Well, when your choice is at right wing back and then Ger or Ojo, it's not. And Ojo's done okay, actually. Or Ronnie Hernandez. Yeah, I keep on forgetting about Hernandez. I've already written Hernandez off from coming back, to be honest. How dare I, you? I just I just don't see it. I just, I just, I cannot, I do not believe we'll see Ronald Hernandez in an Aberdeen shirt 
again, unless he's wearing one on holiday. It's just where I am. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Uh, maybe Glass might decide he, he quite fancies him and wants to have a look at him and see what he does, but I, I just don't see it. I think it's going to be interesting January transfer window. Like I say, I think a lot's going to ha- hang on where we are in the league, how we're looking with injuries. It'll be interesting to see as well whether Glass, the one thing that, well, not just the one thing, but, but one thing I did tend to like about Derek McInnes, certainly in the early part of his time at Aberdeen, this kind of drifted off a bit towards the back end of his time here, but he very quickly realised where he'd made mistakes in the transfer window or in the transfer market, so to speak. And guys were bombed out pretty swiftly, no matter if they were signed up on contracts. You know, I'm thinking like Calvin Zola, uh, Greg Wilde, um, guys like that were very quickly found out and stuck in a cannon and shot over the fence pretty promptly. So it'll be interesting to see whether Stephen Glass is of that same sort of ilk and he'll be willing to say Jet, for example, Gurr, we've got them wrong. Off you go, guys. Um, that'll be an interesting thing to see as well, I think. The difficulty there is always also that you, you need two parties to agree to it. Well, not necessarily. Did Calvin Zola have a club when he left Aberdeen? I don't think he no, did. No, I assume that he agreed a package to leave. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm not talking. I'm talking about the fact it might even be Jet. Just here's your 18 months left of your contract. Off you go. Go and count that and go and play games on Twitch or whatever for the next 18 months. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Looking on at the women's team, no game for them this week, but congratulations in order for Claire Garrett, who joins the setup as assistant coach to Emma Hunter and Gavin Beef, providing some more experience and assistance to the management team as a squad attempts to adapt to life in SWPL1. Next up for the women's team is a trip to Celtic next Sunday. Another stern test against one of the fully professional outfits in the league. But the fixtures afterwards should provide some opportunities for the squad to pick up some much-needed points and build some confidence. Moving on to the young team, a thrilling 5-3 defeat for Barry Robson's charges at Motherwell on Friday evening in the Cass Under-18 League. Barry Robson's side is their first league action in nearly four weeks with their only match in the intervening period, being the Youth Cup win over Banks D. And the rustiness showed as Motherwell raced into a three-goal lead within 25 minutes. A penalty awarded after only 35 seconds, presumably by John Beaton, was dispatched by Hunter before McDonald rifled in a fine 20-yard effort on 12 minutes, before Mo Adam made it three on 25. The Dons reducing the deficit with a goal on 28 minutes through Emsley before Babish had a chance to claw Aberdeen further back, but his shot was tame and not enough to trouble the Motherwell goalkeeper. Into the second half, 4-1 the well on 50 minutes as Dunnachy found the net before Ferry made it 5-1 on the hour mark. The Dons clawing goals back through Harvey on 61 and Babbage on 86. But it's too little, too late as Mudwell rounded off a hat-trick of wins across the genders and the age groups in the space of a week over Aberdeen to run out 5-3 winners. Next up for the young team, a visit to Hearts in the Cass Under-18 League. And on to Lone Watch, Kevin Hanratty and Tyler McKayta both retained their spots in the starting lineup for for Martin United and their Highland League Cup tie against Brecon City, who had Jack Milne on the bench. Brecon running out 5-0 victors with Milne coming off the bench for City with 15 minutes remaining. Jack McIver and Tom Ritchie both started as Huntley were beaten 1-0 by the mighty Inveruri Locos in the same League Cup. Mon the Chuff Chuffs. Jamie Shingler, the Dons under-18 keeper who joined Keith this week on an emergency loan, made his debut in the League Cup as they were beaten 4-1 by league leaders Fraserburgh. By all accounts, Stringler did well and helped keep the score to a respectable level as the Brock threatened to run nap. 
Connor Barron started and played the full 90 minutes, and Kieran Nguyenia came off the bench in injury time as Kelty Hearts maintained their unbeaten start to the season with a 1-0 win over Forfar, who also had Mark Gallagher as an unused substitute. Michael Ruth started for Falkirk, made a statement as they got the opener as Falkirk saw off Dumbarton by three goals to nil. And finally, Luke Turner kept his place in the starting lineup for Cliftonville as they beat Warren Point 4-2 to remain top of the Northern Irish Premiership, extending their lead over Larne to five points. And someone on Twitter this week asked to make sure that we could do Ronnie Hernandez in the Lone Watch updates because we keep on missing him every week. Now, the reason for that usually is because we record on a Sunday night and usually the MLS fixtures haven't been in the can yet to work out what he did. Hernandez came on last week for Atlanta United in their match against Cincinnati, I think. I'll have to correct you. He started. Did he start? Played 68 minutes. There we go then. As Atlanta saw off Cincinnati 2-1 to cement their place in the playoffs and they get a home fixture, I think, against New York City FC. I'm making this up as I go along. I think that's all right. For the guy that asked about it, there's your Ronnie Hernandez update. We'll try and do it again later in the season. They got in the playoffs for finishing ninth? Uh, no, did they not finish higher than that in their conference? Oh, right. It's split, isn't it? Because MLS will be split into two. and then Split east and west, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. That makes sense. Yeah, there we go. So there we go. Ronnie Hernandez is in the playoffs. He won't be returning to Aberdeen until Atlanta get hoofed out of that or they win the whole bloody thing. And that wraps up part one of this week's show. Join us after the break for our exclusive interview with the Mercurial Eugene Daddy. To play at the first half, we're delighted to bring you music from the Capolos with their track, Electrify. The Capolos have a new single, Too High to Sleep, out on Friday and are playing at Drummond's in Aberdeen on Friday night. Limited tickets available for this one. Check them out over on Twitter at the Capolos for details. And here's the Capolos with Electrify.
This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Anderson Quantity Surveying. If you've engaged with an architect for your construction project, chances are they've provided you with an average cost per square metre for your project. But speak to AQS who can provide you with a fully broken down budget cost plan based on your feasibility or planning drawings. AQS's cost plan allows you to know right from the start if your design is affordable before you even apply for a building warrant. And it allows you to see where all your costs lie, enabling you to identify cost savings at the outset. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast, and we're delighted to bring you the latest in our line of exclusive in-depth interviews with Don's personalities of past and present. And this man was brought to Pataudry by F. Scovedal in 2001, and although his stay at the Don's was a short one, it's fair to say that Aberdeen made an impression on him, and he made an impression on the Aberdeen support. It's the one and only Eugene, who's your fucking daddy. Eugene Daddy. Welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How are you doing, Eugene? I'm okay. Thank you very much for having me here. Eugene, we're absolutely delighted to have you on, on the podcast today. You're one of the names that we keep on getting asked by our listeners to get on. And you were only with Aberdeen for a season, but I think that says an awful lot about just the kind of impact that you left on a personal level amongst the support that were there at the time that, you know, there's still people out there who still remember you there and, and are asking for us to get you on the show. So we're delighted, delighted to, to get you on. And let's just start at the beginning. Okay, let's start. <laughs> so you were born in uh, Abidjan in the Côte d'Ivoire in August of 1973. Talk to us a little bit about your youth and where you first developed your love for football. Well, uh, uh, that's a long story. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, I was, as you said, I was born in Ivory Coast. Um, so um, since, even since I was born, I was... Uh, you know, as a as an African born, uh, we uh, we've been playing around in the streets, and uh, uh, you know, so I would say this is from this is how uh, uh, my love for football uh, started. Um, you know, obviously life were life were tough at the time, so we, you know, with uh, with friends, we just got like. A, uh, uh, newspapers, you know, and I like, you know, could wrap a lot of newspapers and just, you know, have fun like this on the street. So, yeah, this is the, the early days. What team did you support when you were a boy and who was your first footballing hero? What, what team? Um, uh, it could be, uh, it would be logic uh, to hear that from me, logic. I don't know, but it, is, it seems that it's, uh, it's, it's natural to say as a French guy to say that uh, Paris Saint-Germain is the uh, is the one, but uh, uh, like I said, I was born in Ivory Coast and arrived in France uh, at the age of uh, seven, eight, and this is uh, the first team uh, I've been, uh, I've been, uh, I've been seeing. You know, my my dad took me to uh, to the stadium, to the Parc des Princes, and that was uh, yeah the first thing. So since uh, nineteen, sorry, since uh, 83, I was, uh, well, yeah, I was a big fan of, uh, of Paris Saint-Germain in the you know, early days. 
And uh, obviously, uh, my hero at the time was uh, Michel Platini, as he was um, he was uh, yeah, the captain of France and playing for Juventus, and you know, as African born, uh, I saw all this before, and uh, yeah, so to come in France and see him and. You know, so that was uh, amazing for me. Uh, so, following your your move to France, you ended up in the academy setup of what uh, what were in League One at the time side uh, social. You'll have to excuse my pronunciation if I've got that wrong. That's perfect. That's perfect. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, were you always a, a striker when you were younger? Yes, in academy. Yes, well, yes. Before I got to the to the academy in social, I was. Uh, I was a striker playing, you know, front and you know, scoring goals and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. But uh, obviously, um, being academy, uh, we needed to to develop. So I've been developing some skills in the different areas as well on the pitch. So uh, as a defensive midfielder and uh, even center center back. So. Um, you know, as an academy, when uh, we needed to play some some of the first team players, um, when they came back, like they didn't play the first team, and they need to come back in the reserve teams. Um, so we youth, it's like we need to to play. We needed to play in different positions and let them be. In a, for example, for me, I was playing for a striker. So when when that striker was coming down, then he need to play striker. So then I was playing midfielder or centre half or something like this. So. So I play in the different positions. So you maybe just maybe expand on that and tell us a little bit about your your time in the academy. What was it like? And I'm guessing it's quite a change. First of all, a move to France, and then being in you know a sort of a professional academy environment is a bit of a step change from kicking kicking the ball around with your pals. Yeah, it's a massive change. It's a massive change. Um, you know, when I arrived to France, that was my first. Obviously, I had my uh, my uh, my um, amateur team, you know, playing uh, on the eleven or something like this on the ten, eleven. Uh, this was my first time I was wearing football boots, you know what I mean. So, <laughs> so after that, two two three years uh, later, then I was joining um, uh, show. So everything was amazing to me, for me, yeah? you know. Uh, like I said, being there and. And from nothing to to be you know in a professional environment, um, that was that was that was great. So then you made the move to uh, Stade Lavoie uh, in League Two in 1989. You played there until 1992, and then uh, unfortunately your father passed away at that point, and you decided that you were going to kind of quit professional football altogether at that point. Did you, yeah. did, did you think that was just going to be you? That was professional football was finished. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. That was it for, for me. That was it. Uh, I didn't have my head there, and life for the footballers was struggling. And you know, like I said, I would, yeah. So, and I was probably following not the not the not the the, the best guy. <laughs> there wasn't the good better environment, you know, uh, with people around me to to keep my head on, into it. So yes, I was I was finished to be honest. But then a couple of years later, you, you join FC Sete 34 in France's third division at the time. And in the space of a season, you make 17 appearances for Sete, scoring two goals. And then off the back of that, secure a move to Las Glintz in the Austrian Bundesliga. Talk to us about how that move came about. That's a big step from 
third division France to Bundesliga Austria? Well, I will, I will, I will. Uh, I guess that you got that on the on the paper or some, somewhere on the Wikipedia or something, you know, right? So there's something I, I'll put the the, the the thing on the right uh, on the right things because yeah. uh, what what you got there wasn't the right information there. It's like um, from from Laval, I went to set, okay, okay, and from set, this is where. Uh, uh, I was in the, on the trouble mentally, and I, okay. dec- I decided to quit. So uh, from there, listen to this. <laughs> from <laughs> from there, I've been uh, like I said, I took life uh, in a different way, and uh, and uh, a friend of mine who used to be a professional in the, in, the, in Laval was miles away. I mean, he was in the Highland, this island called uh, La Réunion. So this is uh, by uh, Madagascar and, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, it's a French. Uh, so I was there and then, yeah, I was there and playing, I mean, working, I've been working in the, in the, in the, uh, how would you say that? Um, how we call it again? When you sell house and everything. Ah, uh, kind of state agent. Yeah, state agent. Yeah. So uh, I was there, and then, then yeah, and they asked me also to play. So I was playing and working that way, and then this is where somebody from uh, from Austria uh, was wearing holiday there. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So he saw me and said, "What are you doing here?" You know. So well, then explained, and he asked me to. To uh, to come again, I mean to to go and try uh, something, uh, you know, in the in the Austrian Bundesliga. So this is where things really started. And that there is a lesson in why you shouldn't trust anything on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that on, on, for me, yeah, was was sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll we'll just we'll just yeah. edit the questions and post. You know, make it look. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, ho- hopefully this next section will be accurate. <laughs> yeah. So in just over four years in Austria, you made 52 appearances for, for Lask, scoring 10 goals in the process before you moved back to France to join Toulouse in League One. But unfortunately, injuries restricting you to only three three appearances that season as Toulouse were relegated, uh, finishing three points to safety. And then unfortunately, the club demoted following some financial difficulties. The, the relegation and the subsequent demotion, did that trigger you to look for a move elsewhere? Yes. Uh, to be honest, I was, um, before I joined, before I joined uh, uh, Aberdeen, <laughs> before I joined Aberdeen, uh, that was my, uh, I've done everything there in Austria. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I've, I've done things on, on the pitch, off the pitch. And um, life were, were absolutely great uh, for 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 these these years. I was I was there uh, playing football, doing some uh, some uh, uh, acting uh, and you know acting in the theater, uh, being uh, being a model as well. Don't say that. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say that is like I've, I've done a lot of things there and everything was great. Uh, play European football and everything, and and so and then I got that move. I got that move to France. Actually, uh, I nearly. Uh, I, <laughs> life is life is funny because at that moment, at that moment, I needed to. Um, so I had opportunities. I could have come maybe in in England a little bit earlier, but 
I was there, I was in England, I was um, talking about things and uh, for a new contract with a club. And, and suddenly, uh, Alain Gires, which is one of the, the great footballers for, for France and playing with Platini and everything, called me to say, you know, I want you, I want you with me. So from that moment, I went to, uh, to, um, to Toulouse. Unfortunately for me, uh, I got that, that injury uh, very early. So my season was nearly over. Not nearly, it was over. So after a few games and that was it. So yeah, that was a good move to go there. But at the end, it wasn't, it wasn't the best uh, because of what I've just said. Can I ask a quick question, Eugene? Just... Um... It was just after what you said about your time in Austria when you were, you know, you, you were doing well on the pitch, but you did a lot yeah. of things off the pitch as well, yeah. Yeah. you know, starring in the theatre and, and being a model, etc. And I, I think sometimes this is something that maybe supporters don't understand, I guess, is that did you look at football as being an opportunity for you, as a vehicle, I guess, in a way, for you to be able to go and experience different cultures and different countries and do different things that were outside you know what you would ordinarily be able to do if you just stayed in Ivory Coast or in or in France if you hadn't been a footballer. When I left Ivory Coast, that was uh, for a better life. Obviously, uh, my dad and uh, my mother were separated, and my dad was already in France. So, um, yeah, he brought us to France for a better life. I never thought about football, to be honest. Uh, everything started when I joined uh, Toulouse. So, uh, not to um, social, so the academy. Um, apart from that, um, experience, exp- are we testing different uh, culture, different areas uh, through football that became uh, after, 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 after Scotland, to be honest. Okay. Uh, right, that became after Scotland. But um, before that, no, I never, I never thought about it. I was just doing and playing and where the opportunity was uh, taking me and then you know I didn't have the plan to say that I'm gonna go this I'm gonna go there I think so yeah just arrived like this well let's fast forward to uh to 2001 and it's Epsco Vidal who seeking to build on an improved 2001 uh, campaign Looking to replace the goals of Adel Stavrum gets in touch with yourself and you sign on the dotted line on August 24th, 2001. Can you just tell us as a player, you know, playing in France, how how the move comes about and how you've come to find out that Aberdeen are interested in you? Well, um, like I said, um, I was near finished. No, I didn't say that. I was near finished for, 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 for Toulouse as, a, as a, the injury was there. I've been working hard to to to, to come back, um, and then um, I had the opportunity to go on try in in in, in what was that um, in Germany? Sorry, I was you know I had the opportunity to go in, on trial in Germany, and um, yeah. So at the time I need to go, then I, I went. Uh, I, I became sick, ill, so I was in bed for a few days, so I, I couldn't make it. So somebody else. Went, uh, went and, and, and got the spot. Few days or a week later, then the Brazilian uh, option came, and this is where Heb uh, he asked me to to, to come and, uh, and 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 prove my fitness, <laughs> prove my fitness first, and to see and if I like it, and you know if it, 
So anyway, to see everything and then, yeah, the opportunity was great. It was a massive club and I was just looking forward to it. So I was happy that I didn't go to Germany at the time and this opportunity came to me. just came just after that. We've spoken to Harold Stavrum um, before and he's spoken in glowing terms about Ipsco Vidal. Can you tell us just a little bit about him and your relationship? It was great. It was, it was great. Um, like I said, he trusted me when I, when I came. I trusted him as well because uh, we had that, uh, um, that chat before and then uh, before I arrived and everything. So, yeah, I got so a great man who, who was looking forward to, to work with me as I, I, was, I, was, I was doing the same as well. So everything 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 had been right. We've been very good. So, like I said, I just needed to, he knew that I needed to have time uh, to readjust myself because I didn't I didn't play much at that you know the season before so so but yeah he was there to help me to um, you know to get my, uh, my everything right. What did you know about Aberdeen as a football club and Aberdeen as a city before you made the move to Scotland? Uh, Eric Black, uh, Eric Black, uh, we see. Uh, Mr. Ferguson, and uh, yeah, so uh, you know the the European um, campaign and everything. So I, I knew about all this, but uh, yeah, I knew about it. But you know what? I find it more how massive the club were, and fortunately for me, I didn't enjoy that enough. You know, it's like like I didn't enjoy the the club enough and the city enough. I find that only when I left how massive the club were, you know. I knew it was massive, it was big, but I didn't know, I was, you know, it's like I was there. And sometimes, to be honest, I was complaining. <laughs> I was complaining about the weather, about things, the cold and everything, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, apart from that, when I was already, like I said, I knew it was massive because when I was in the street, people were around me, and they were nice to me. and. You know, that was, yeah, I knew where I was. I've lived in Aberdeen all of my life and I still complain about the weather. So you're not alone in that. <laughs> um, you, you've, you've kind of touched on this and that people were friendly and welcoming. So, and I'm guessing you you found Aberdeen as a city. Aside from the weather, you, you know, you, you were happy in Aberdeen. I was, yeah, I was happy. Uh, I was very, very happy. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, um, we didn't go further than than one year, one season. That was um, one of those big and massive regrets of mine. Yeah, but the time I was there was yeah, it was great. People was unbelievable, you know. And they, they gave me that that song as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll you know? To that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, they gave me that song as well, and uh, it was unbelievable. And that that follows me all my career. And just sort of one last question around your move to Aberdeen. Did it did it take much convincing to get you to come to Aberdeen? I mean, I appreciate you played football in Europe before you came to Aberdeen, but you know, it's yet another country, different style. I was just wondering if if there was a bit of persuading to be done or if it was an opportunity that you thought I'm gonna take that regardless. Like I said, uh the league I didn't know. I didn't know about the league, I knew about uh, about the club, as I said. Um nah, nah. Like I say Eric Black and you know all all those names um, was was talking to me, so I didn't have uh, any hesitation, you know, to, to to come there. So 
like I said, only the league, I, did, I didn't know the time the league. Um, but I mean, I didn't, yeah, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, that was it. And as it is, you're on the bench a day after you signed for Aberdeen uh, for a trip to St. Johnston at McDermott Park. And you make an instant impact uh, coming off the bench to replace Derek Young with 15 minutes to go. And within five minutes, you've won a penalty kick being brought down in the box, but zero misses the penalty and the match ends 1-1. Can you remember much about your debut for Aberdeen? And, and we're, we're going to talk about it now. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tell me, I finished the question, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, how aware were you of the new song that the Aberdeen fans had created Man, in your honour? That was unbelievable. Like I said, I was in France, so I had, I'm France in, in Austria, and uh, I had my uh, my, uh, my habit of doing things and how things were working there. So when I came there in Aberdeen, I was uh, I wasn't I wasn't starting eleven. So uh, normally, those who are not playing were not starting. Uh, you know, the first eleven go out and they go for warm up and. Us, I mean the 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 bench they came later. They do what they need to do. You know, very in a very small, in a quiet manner. You know what I mean. So, and that day, Aberdeen, so I, I did the same. You know, so it's like the guy went out, and I went, I went. Uh, yeah, I took my time, and and I went. Uh, yeah, when I got there, and. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Were you born at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you remember? So you remember that? Yeah, you remember? I was there. I remember it. Yeah. So uh, when 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 I came and when I came, I got that applause and uh, starting singing. Right, starting already. And my English wasn't that the best, to be honest. And uh, I went, I went, and I heard, I heard words. Okay. And as I said, I wasn't I wasn't the best in English. Well, still I'm sent to death, but anyway. So, and I went to 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 uh, to Isham to zero, and I, you know I said, what's going on? Because I you know I heard that what what what's going on? They don't like me, or because you know you know because I couldn't hear the words. You know what I mean? You know you know the f word, and I heard that, and I and I said, well, what's going on? He said, no, don't worry, it's all good. I said, are you sure? He said, yes, all good. You know, so, but he told me, but I wasn't convinced because I heard that and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't there. So, yeah, when that's, when I went to the, when I went out of bench and uh, on the, on the field and, and I created that penalty and I heard the song again, this is where I knew that, uh, yeah, it was, it was positive. Okay. <laughs> it was positive. But before that, I wasn't stressed, man. I was, <laughs> I wasn't stressed. Like it's like, what the, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing here? You know. So, uh, but definitely it was good after that. Yeah. You know, Eugene, when you arrived, Aberdeen were, you know, very much still a club in, um, I guess, the mid stages of a rebuild under Ebsco Vidal, and there were many changes, many players coming through the door, and equally quite a lot of them just leaving quite soon after. Um, for yourself, coming from France, were there any players in particular that you were close to or played a key part in helping you settle into Aberdeen? Uh, in the squad? In the squad, yeah. They were all good to me. They were all good to me. Obviously, uh, Ishan, because we were talking French to, to get together, uh, but they've been, they've been great. The young brothers, uh, you know, um, 
Eddie, uh, everyone, they've been, they've been absolutely, yeah, they were everything. They were, they were doing everything for me to be, uh, to be able uh, to sit on well there. So Roberto Bisconti would have been in the dressing room at the time. Yes, he was there as well. Yeah. Tell, tell us a bit about Bisco, because he's a guy who came in, did a really good job, um, and then kind of disappeared very, very quickly. And he always seemed like a very enigmatic character. What was what was Bisco like? He was a good guy as well. He was a good guy um, with uh, with uh, Isham and, uh, uh, and 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 Bisco as well. We were, we were there talking, but I met him when I when I when I went to Aberdeen. That was the first time I knew about him, and uh, was a great player. Was a great player. You know, I didn't see before that. You know player anticipating this anticipation on the pitch and uh, great you know getting ball back and everything so it was it was amazing so it was a good it was it was he has his character obviously but uh, he was a good guy very good guy we, we, we went we went well together as well and I guess it would be um remiss of us not to ask you um just your thoughts um and your memories of just how good a player Hisham Zerowali was. Yeah it was great um it was great when I knew, when I knew, when I, when I found out about his passing, was uh, was devastating to be to be honest. Um, but the guy was he was he wasn't he wasn't too wasn't talking talking too much, you know. But obviously on the pitch he could do that, you know, his skills and his vision of football and everything. He was and a very good man, very good man as well. So it helped me, it helped me to to settle down. To settle in uh, in the changing room, so I was like I said, I was sitting next to him. So following on from that, um, your you, your first start for for the Rons at Pataudry was the next match, uh, a two 0 victory over Kilmarnock. What were your initial impressions of Pataudry, and was it a stadium you enjoyed playing in? Um, like I said, Pataudry is um, is something else. It's something else for everything I've said before. You know the song and the the, the fans, the everyone, everyone's been absolutely uh, magnificent to me. They were it was it was yes it was it was great to be easy. I enjoyed that. You know I enjoy I enjoy this um, the love the everything. Um, what was funny is like I, I went back. Uh, like 15 years later, you know, since I left Aberdeen, I, I came back 15 years later. So that was on the Andy's uh, testimonial. Right, yeah, uh, Christian, yeah. yeah. So it was, <laughs> and this started, I mean, the, the, the love received um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the stadium. This started even at the at the airport. You know, I arrive at the airport. You know, the, the guy there. I need to give my passport. You know, and yeah. <laughs> I give him my passport. <laughs> I give him my passport, and uh, you know, he look in. He you know, and then he saw my name, my my picture, and then he went like, uh, he went like. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> 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 no, 
said, yes. I said, welcome back. <laughs> no, it, was, it was great. And uh, yeah, and obviously when I was there, uh, I was on the beat on the on, on that game. Uh, I felt the love as well. And for me, it was amazing to see that after 15 years. No, it's great stuff. What were your initial first impressions of Scottish football? And just how different was it to what you were used to in your career up to that point? Too direct. Yeah. <laughs> at the time. At the time, yeah. Um, I needed to adjust myself onto a, into a different into a different football. Um, well, more physical, well, more direct. It was different, but like I said, I just need to adjust myself into it. But it took time. It took me time to adjust already to my uh, to my own condition, own body, uh, own body to 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 be able to get my fitness back and to be able to play my football. Plus the difficulty of uh, of the new uh, of the new league. So everything wasn't easy at the time. But well, speaking of Scottish football being maybe direct and a little bit physically intense, I remember this proper battle of a game. It's uh, a week later, you start uh, in a 2-1 win over Dundee United at Pataudry. And you once more were at the centre of the uh, the action, winning a penalty kick that allowed Robbie Winters to equalise. And then you were involved in an altercation with a United player who attempted to headbutt you. And then he found himself sent off. Um, can you remember much about that game and the, the incident with the headbutt? No, to be honest, no. I can't remember that. No? No, sorry. <laughs> no worries. I think it's, it's fair to say that I think you'd... Um, You'd made an impression against the Dundee United backline. They were, they were struggling to handle you. I think, and they were getting okay. really frustrated, as I remember. Everyone's struggling to to handle me. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, can, I can't remember. I'm sorry, I can't remember that one. Um, uh, je- jealousy will make you do terrible things. So uh, we'll, we'll chalk it down to that. So uh, hopefully you'll remember this one. A couple of weeks later, you you grab your first goal for Aberdeen an early opener in a, a League Cup second round tie at Palmerston Park where we're playing Queen of the South. So as a striker, I mean, how settling was it for you to get that goal and were you now starting to feel like you'd maybe settled into the first team at Aberdeen? Yeah, well, it's always important, you know, when you come into a, to a new club, a new, new team, it's important as a striker, you need to, uh, it's important to score, you know, it's important to be, to have an impact. And uh, it took me a bit of a bit of time, uh, and to have that, I would, I would love to uh, to have it earlier, uh, but it didn't happen. So it was a relief when, uh, yeah, when I found the back of the night at the time. Yeah. And then there was the humiliating exit to Livingston in the League Cup, a six-one hammering at Pataudry. You came on for zero, as I recall, with about thirty minutes to go, I think, in that game. But by that point, it's already six-one. What's it like to come on? in a game like that where the game's already over it must be so difficult to try and kind of motivate yourself to really kind of get going you come into the you come into the game like this you know that uh, obviously the, the result is you know it's a game done and everything but you come to 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 help you know because uh, your, your friends are still there bathing and you come in to uh, to help and and also to uh, to uh, to get your fitness as to get a bit of 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 the game, you know, to put some something on under under your belt, and uh, you know, to come out from from that game with, you know, something positive, you know, uh, to be to be to be able to to help for next week, the week after. So yeah, this is probably what I've what I've what I've done. Uh, Try to do. Um, 
you know, because it's not it's not always easy when you come in, you know. <laughs> no, it's not always worse. easy. No, yeah, worse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Let's be honest. <laughs> and as as a fellow strikers, when you get told by a manager, go on and get a couple of goals for yourself and try and get us back in the game, and it's like we're six one down. There's no chance we're gonna get a couple of goals here. It's a nonsense. No, yeah, there's always chance to 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 get goals. So that's that's you know, yeah. After it depends, like I said, it depends on how how you know what's 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 the goal of of the of the team at that moment, you know, you know. So personally, when you you know you came I came in probably like I said my fitness needed to be lift up, so you know I need to get in and trying to to get something under my belt and you know to to better than sitting on the bench and say, well, no, six one away and why am I coming in and there's, there's no need. No, you need to come in and you know and do your bit. This is uh, what you're there for. Yeah, definitely. Can you remember what um the manager's reaction was to that defeat in the dressing room after the game? Always uh, probably because I can't remember all but probably uh, the, the the deception of you know of, of the result. Uh he didn't like. He didn't never. No one liked to lose, but definitely he wasn't. He was one of those guys who could have some words. Uh, well, could be a little bit loud when yeah. those kind of things happen. Yeah. Uh, was it? Was Eb a bit of a? He'd have a go. Yeah, you know. But yeah, like I said, no one loves likes to lose. Oh, so okay. yeah. So yeah. Well, he obviously did enough to uh, convince Ebi to put you in the team for the next game because you started against Hearts um, at home um, the next league match and you grabbed your first goal at Pataudry. Uh, it was ultimately ended 3-2 to Aberdeen. It was five wins in a row at home. And this game was also the debut of one uh, Peter Keir in, in goal for Aberdeen. Aberdeen had worked under Ebby with you know Jim Layton and then David Priest, Ryan Essen, but never quite found that number one. And then Peter came in. Can you tell us... Um, a little bit about your memories of Peter Kier. Experience, very experienced keeper. Um, you know, he knew what what he was doing. Even 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 if uh, uh, the keepers before before were were good as well. The uh, repairs were one of them. Uh, Ryan as well, and Ryan was a bit young, but um, but yeah, when Peter came in, he's yeah, he settled. Uh, a lot of things uh, on the on the backyard, uh, you know, uh, with, ex- with his experience. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think because we had a young team uh, at the time as well. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah, he needed to be to set everything, you know, to keep um, the head of everyone calm and trying to, you know, he was trying to stabilize. His, Stabilize uh, uh, people's mind, and uh, yeah, with his with his experience, we was just talking for him. So you you get another goal in the next home match against Motherwell, a bullet header after only six minutes that settled things before the visit of champions elect uh, Celtic to Petrodri on a snowy evening, with Aberdeen running out two 0 victors to equal the record set by Sir Alex Ferguson's eighty three eighty four side by winning nine um, home games in a row. So. The three of us were chatting before and we were thinking the game's memorable for, for three main reasons. Uh, first of all, and I'll confess, I've been watching this while you answered the previous question, your turn against Bobo Baldi, or as we like to call it, the daddy turn, <laughs> uh, which is truly <laughs> sublime. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you might have enjoyed that. 
Yeah, I enjoyed that, but he should have he should have knew about it before. You know that I was gonna do that to him <laughs> because we were playing in Toulouse together. Okay, we were on the same team together, so I knew him. He knew me. Uh, actually, I'm gonna tell something about this. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I remember I was we were in we were in Toulouse together. Bobo had an incredible season, and he got this move to Celtic with a massive contract and everything, okay? So, and I was injured, didn't play much for the season and I needed to get uh, a contract. So I came here to Aberdeen, train and everything. And then uh, Hebi told me, look, uh, you, you've done well, okay? So, you know, normally we should, we should, we should go ahead together and everything. But you know what, there is a game uh Saturday I would like you to play, you know. Uh, and that was against Celtic in a friendly game on the on the on the 21 or something or okay. three. So okay, so it was it was that game. Okay, and then I said, okay, no problem, we're gonna do that. And then he told, and then I, I called I called Bobo. <laughs> I called Bobo before, you know, and I said, Yes, how you doing? And everything, you know, we were trying to talk and how you settling in, everything, and then we I didn't know that he would be playing. So I told him, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to have that game and against, uh, against Celtic. And uh, yeah, so yeah, normally after that, we should be able to to, to, to to sign the new contract and everything. And they said to me, yes, cool, because I'm playing, you know? <laughs> I said, okay, you're playing. What do you mean you're playing, you know? He said, yes, I'm playing, you know? And it will be my first game. I said, okay, that's fine, you know? So, uh, you know what, I'm going to have... I'm gonna have uh, my uh, my game. You're gonna have yours, and then you know what? And uh, and I was kidding at the time. I said, you know, what? hey, Bobo, don't don't be don't be tough on me, okay? Let me get my contract, okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, but I was kidding, you know. And then and what he said to me, he said, Ah, Eugene, don't come on my side. You know what I mean? I said, What do, What do you mean? Don't come on your side? You know? And then we were talking, so we forgot about everything. But on the next day for the game. I thought that everything would be cool. And I saw Bobo was like, as if he was playing a Champions League game. <laughs> now, honestly, he was like, beside me, you know, in the tournament, he was like jumping around and, you know, and I said, you know, I look at him and I said, what does he want that, that guy? You know what I mean? So then we went on the pitch, first contact, he jumped on my head and, you know, he killed me. And I was like, you know, I was, and I said, okay. Okay, Bobo, then we're going to play. So we've been battling there for all games. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and then, I, uh, I, uh, and then at the end of that, I, I signed my contract. But he wasn't happy because I gave him some, some of those herbal and gave him to me. He gave some to me as well. And then this league game at Petrotrain. Then he came and he was very, very, very hungry about what happened the other day. Okay. So, well, <laughs> I, needed to, I needed to do something. So when that opportunity of that term came in, well, I needed to do it. So, and yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and it just came, to be honest, I didn't plan it, but it wasn't the first time I've, I've done it to him. It wasn't the first time, I, that's why I say, you should have knew about it, you know? So it wasn't the first time, but 
you know, when when the day happens, so, well, <laughs> you should have you should have you should have know about it. But obviously, it still works. So you know, so yeah. But it was a great it was a great turn. I think I think the the people at the stadium like it, and yeah, they still keep they still talking about this to me about uh, about that about that turn. But um, it was a good experience. Yeah. I bet Bobo didn't like it, did he? He didn't like it. Even after, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't like it, but he was still angry. He was still angry, but um, yeah, he was. It was great. It was. It was magnificent. I think the other the other two points from that game, the Daramaki scoring a goal, which is always good to see, and then your your conga crawl celebration. Was that just spontaneous? Just happened, or is that something you'd spontaneous? No, 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 not, not that spontaneous. But um, actually, uh, as I was in France, and um, there's the team called uh, Metz here, yeah. FC Football Club in Metz. Uh, the time was playing uh, um, Robert Pires. Robert Pires was playing there. Robert Pires was playing there, and yeah, ex Arsenal player. So um, they were they were doing very good. They were doing very good, and every time after the after the the, 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 the game, they were doing that thing, that crawl. You know, okay. they were doing this. So I saw it, but in, you know, I didn't I didn't pay attention about this. And then after the game, the Celtic game, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, and then I thought about it. I thought about that that thing, and uh, we were so happy. Though I thought about it, and I asked uh, Derek Derek Young to. You know, to to just follow me and uh, to do what I'm doing. So he just dropped my feet, and the other was doing this, and we just. But it wasn't that spontaneous, but it was also uh, spontaneous. So, like I knew about it, but I didn't plan it. It just came like this. Ultimately, a tenth home win in a row is stopped by Livingston. And yeah. but as a man that was in that dressing room, can you identify? like the main reasons why the team were able to go on such a great run of form, especially at home? Because we were, we were, we were a bunch of, uh, of, of boys uh, doing well together. I mean, we were, we were very united, um, you know, uh, on the pitch, obviously, but uh, because the quality was there and to be able to do things and uh, but out, 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 of the, out of the pitch, uh, we were often together, we were doing things together. And uh, I think I think this union, this union been, did help to, you know, to achieve things and to do things. So that's how and why it did happen. You need to stop one day, but, uh, but uh, definitely uh, being together, uh, doing things together were the main, the main reason of, of, uh, of success, I would say. And so we move forward um, through the rest of the season to March 2002 and you make your final start for Aberdeen in a 1-0 defeat at uh, Celtic Park, substituted with 30 minutes to go for uh, zero. And then you made only four more appearances for Aberdeen, which all came from the the substitutes bench. Was there any particular reason that you kind of seemed to fall out of the manager's thoughts at that time? And we say that uh, probably he was right as well because I wasn't doing the, the what he was he was waiting for me uh, for me to do. Um, I would say at the end he was a bit disappointed because I could have done better than I, 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 I've done. But you know uh, we, we we fell out uh, because I wanted to play more, and uh, obviously uh, if, if he felt that I, I couldn't play more, 
<laughs> you know, you know, this is the same thing. You know, the player wants to play, the coach doesn't want for you know for every reasons. But so, uh, and then yeah, um, we didn't argue too much about this, but but uh, yeah, uh, I, but I knew that I, I, knew I could I could do much better. I knew that I could have done much better, and I was I was looking forward to do a lot. Okay, so the opportunity wasn't wasn't there, and. Um, yeah, and I think my ego is, <laughs> my ego took, uh, yeah, came, 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 came into me and, uh, yeah, I decided to leave, uh, like I said, uh, by choice. So just looking back over your spell with Aberdeen, you made 33 appearances in total, um, only playing 90 minutes on five occasions. Was that a fitness issue with, you know, obviously having not played much the season before I know it you know, can take quite a lot of time to get that match fitness back or you know was there another reason to it and I, I'm guessing you've probably answered this already but it was probably quite frustrating not playing 90 minutes as often as you would have liked yeah well, I, need, I needed to be I need like I said I need to adjust myself in the fitness wise and my football about everything so um you know when you when when you when you don't play that much or when you've been injured for let's say for example if you've been injured for eight months Okay, it takes you it takes you as much to really come back uh, in in a full fitness and full everything. So yeah, I was I was struggling. I was struggling. Um, even if I could, even if I, I was doing not too bad sometimes, but sometimes I was I was I was struggling because of the lack of uh, of of, uh, of fitness of you know of, of not playing the, the year before pretty much of the whole season. So that wasn't easy, you know, that wasn't easy. So as as a player, I wanted to play, even if I was not, I wasn't good enough, you know, sometimes. Uh, and uh, and uh, obviously the, the, the gaffer needed to, yeah, he needed to, to do what, what he needed to do to get to win football games, you know. So yeah, at the end of the day, he's the boss, he's the one who takes... Uh, Take the decisions, and uh, I could I couldn't understand that because sometimes he was he was uh, he was doing this for my uh, for for me to not be to not burn myself as 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 not playing too much of the season before and suddenly coming and playing too much games, you know, uh, because of fitness, because of injuries, because of things could maybe happen to me. So he was trying to uh, to manage that uh, to me, but I was. I was interested of that. I was just wanted to play. So, um, yeah, but um, I guess that he, he was right doing this. So your one season in Aberdeen winds up with the Dons finishing in fourth spot, three points behind Livingston in third. But that's good enough to secure a return to European football um, the next year. But as I remember it in the papers, you know, there was all, a lot of talk about a number of players, um, yourself included, and it was said that there was agreement had not been reached and your time would not be uh, extended. So you said to yourself there that it was, was your choice to leave. Is that right? Yes. Um, you know, there is a, in the union, uh, there is one, there is one, one, or uh, doesn't want more than the other. Okay. So, um, yeah, like I said, we, uh, we, we disagree about things. Uh, my egos was there as well. Uh, because I wasn't ac- accepting what the conditions and about things was happening, so yeah, maybe he didn't want me anymore. Maybe I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay there anymore because, like I said, because of my egos and because of things and because 
yeah, at the end of the day, it's like it's that I left, and that was a big regret. Was the offer of a new contract ever on the table for you? Uh, the club at to stay at Aberdeen, yes. Yo, we, we we didn't arrive there. No, no, no we didn't arrive there. Okay. Didn't have time to arrive there. So okay. After that, you uh, I guess in league terms, you make the uh, the step up and you went to Livingston. Yeah. So you leave one of Scottish football's more memorable managers in Ebsco Vidal, and you join up with another in the form of Jim Leishman at Livingston. What was your relationship like with Jim? And you must have some stories about uh, about him. Uh, funny guy. He was very, very funny. Um, yeah, he was a good person. He's a good person. He's, um, the, you know, he was a good person to me. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, a very good character. You know, very good character. <laughs> So we've we've already summarised your your Aberdeen career, um, and then obviously you, you went to to Livingston, and then actually just a quick run through you: Tranmere Rovers, Nottingham Forest, Notts County, Hapoel Accra, Perth Glory, Vaduz, Wellington Phoenix, before winding up your career in Indonesia, where Gary's thrown me a hospital pass here with the pronunciation, <laughs> so I'm going to go for Asibo Bojonegro and Manado United. Uh, before you you called time on your career in 2012, so given that you've got a life outside of football now, you know, where where does that leave you now, Eugene? How do you fill your days and what are you up to? To be honest, uh, I stopped my career just after after Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, my career stopped after Wellington. So I'm doing some 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 coaching uh, here in France, uh, but I'm and. Um, I've been doing before that. I've been doing a bit of uh, I call it bundi, you know, commentating football games. Okay. Yeah. Oh, punditry, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was commentating football games. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was going to Paris, and then so anyway. So after that, I've been doing this. Is what I'm doing now, coaching a bit and uh, and uh, working on the on the placement uh, uh, players. Um, I'm not I'm not an agent, but I am. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, as I'm working with people. Good, great stuff. Eugene, it's been a, a pleasure getting to talk to you. Um, yeah, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a pleasure for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> yes. It's been a pleasure for us. <laughs> okay. um, it's been great getting to talk to you about your career, your time at Aberdeen, and we'll wrap things up with one last question, if that's all right. And, that's and this, is a, this is a question that we ask all of our guests. Okay. What does Aberdeen Football Club mean to you? Well, uh, that's a difficult, that's a difficult one. There's no words to say to describe. Uh, like I said, it's a place I would love, I would have loved, never left, never left. Okay, so um, the club is 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 the way it is to me. It's like a massive. And uh, yeah, um, and the fans are just unbelievable to me. I never got that uh, love elsewhere. And uh, yeah, like I said, after 15 years, when I come back, as if it looks like as if I never left. So uh, yeah, very, very deep in my heart. Uh, yeah, and you know, if. Um, Never know how it could happen, but if one day I pass, because I will pass one day, 
yeah, I would love to have my, uh, how you call it? Asher. Ashes? Yeah, ashes, yeah. To be somewhere there in Petrodre, you know what I mean? But Petrodre now, you know, now the club will be moving stadium probably, you know, I will feel home around there, but uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? But then, yeah, then I will be, yeah, you know, surrounded by, uh, by these people who, yeah, uh, I had a lot of love from, you know, so this is what he means to me, a Brazilian football club. Amazing. Great stuff, Eugene. Eugene, who's your fucking daddy? <laughs> Definitely not you. It's me. Definitely. I'm the fucking daddy. <laughs> I'm the fucking daddy. <laughs> Quite right. Listen, Eugene, thank you so much for joining us on the ABZ Football Podcast. Stand free. All the best. Stand free. Thank you very much for, for having me. That was a great, uh, great pleasure for me to uh, sharing this with you. Thank you. All the best. And that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And please remember to like, subscribe, follow, whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 19 of the ABZ Football Podcast, where we'll review our SPL Premiership fixture against Dundee United, review our hangovers after, and preview our first trip to the east end of Glasgow in the company of well-kent Aberdeen fan, Erin Grieve. We'll also take our usual look at the women's team and our youth setup. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you by Anderson Quantity Surveying. AQS's exceptional contractor tendering and comparison service provides you with a professional tendering documentation for your contractors to quote against allowing you to have a fully transparent and like-for-like tendering process, saving you money in the long run, avoiding hidden and unexpected costs at a later date, and ensuring you select the most appropriate contractor for your project. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk.